0: You're listening to... Whoa! Hot luck. Hot luck.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real, unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and filmmaker. And I'm here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. hope you guys are doing fabulously. And how about those gas prices? (laughs) I just like sank the whole ship with that one thing. My God, inflation. Dear Lord. Um, I mean, I'm here to help you guys and make you feel better, but also we got to keep it real and it's a dumpster fire out there. So I hope you're hanging in there. I love you. Big hugs. Um, And welcome to this week's episode. I am actually recording this episode a little bit early from our drop date and I'm on the eve of... Filming my very first short film. So (laughs) I'm tired, but I'm really excited and strangely, really calm and steady. Um, It's going to be a psychotic 72 hours ahead of me, I'm sure, but also maybe not psychotic. I have an amazing team and we will weather the storms. I've been prepared for this for many, many moons through all the live event production that I've done. And I'm just really excited. So I just want to commemorate that because it's an exciting moment, feels a bit surreal, and then also completely, totally normal paradox, you know? Anyway, um, I hope you guys are doing well. And this episode, I have actually been sitting on for a while and ideating because this is an area that I think has been very mysterious to me for many years and that I've been introduced to through various avenues, especially having an attorney for in my family, uh, my brother. And um, becoming a freelancer for the last four years and navigating that world, building my own business, uh, taking clients, like having an agent, having aspirations for like entrepreneurial ideas, wanting to do my startup, all these like big ideas that I wanted to do, it, it inherently involved the legal system, which I've, you know, bumped up against in various ways throughout my life, but it's always intimidated me. So I always wanted to bring on somebody who is knowledgeable about that area to demystify it because it's such an integral part of like protecting yourself and knowing what's at your disposal and how you can leverage certain things or how you can be ahead of the game, if you will, or like just know what your rights are so that you're not in a place of being taken advantage of. That's something that I've been really passionate about and I've learned so deeply being an adult myself, but also watching my parents and other people around me deal with their various legal issues. And so I'm really excited because this week's episode, I have my legal counsel, or like he's part of a startup that I am a customer of that I think is just so fabulous. And I wanted to bring him on to talk about his journey into entering the law, because I just think that it's also funny that, As an Asian-American, we have this really big stereotype of like, oh, everyone wants us to, our parents want to be doctors and lawyers, right? Doctors and lawyers, doctors and lawyers. And people can roll their eyes at that. And I know it's a lot of pressure and like this whole idealized vocation and career path that is so respectable and honorable and all that stuff. Whilst we also throw shade at lawyers all the time. um, For sometimes really good reasons. Lawyers are incredibly useful and helpful, too. I've learned through working with them that just like any other job, well, not there might be a little bit of an imbalance, but um, like anything else in life, there's good and bad uh, in all of it. And there are horrible people that are lawyers and horrible lawyers who are not very competent. And there's also really great people who are lawyers and who do serve a very valuable purpose and... Yeah, that I, that I know and I respect. And our guest this week, Chung Bui, is one of them. So he is the co-founder of a start. Uh, I don't think it's a startup anymore, but it's a company called Council for Creators. And he specifically is in the entertainment law universe. And so he takes on clients through a subscription-based model where he can provide affordable services to freelancers and creative professionals who may not have the funds, and this is where it comes into that resource area, to pay them $8 per hour like so many other lawyers can gouge you with. and being somebody that is working on manifesting my dreams and making the businesses that I want to make and having protection and, you know, oversight and and kind of like forecasting available in my life to be a smart business person and to be a smart creative professional and to protect my creative work and to know how this all works. Um, I knew that the legal part was really, really important, getting things copyrighted, contracts, contracts, um, you know, how to build a business and how to do it properly so that, you know, everything's, you know, all my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted. When I found Council for Creatives through Marvin, my producer, through our Empower conference uh, with collaboration, Chung has just been like the coolest person to get to know. He's been so helpful, so informative. And yeah, this is like not an ad, guys. I'm not (laughs) paid by (laughs) Chung um, to say this. I genuinely am a happy customer and I've really appreciated, you know, the calls and the help in a regular basis. And just knowing that they're there as a resource for me to be able to do my work and to have someone on my team, a growing team of people to make my work sustainable, manageable, and not going to come back and bite me in my ass later. (laughs) So for anybody out there, this conversation's about just the law, navigating the legal system, how to protect yourself. Um, And that I think applies not just if you're an entrepreneur, creative or a business person, but just in general in life. I think there's been such a big disparity of the people who have access to this kind of legal counsel and who does not. And definitely price comes into play and education comes into play. And there's so many gross imbalances and um, privileges that are not afforded by so many people in the United States. It's disgusting to me. So this is my one little way that hopefully anybody who's curious about that out there, and wants to demystify it learn a little bit more and become familiar with something that seems a little bit scary and intimidating and overwhelming to make that seem more normal to you cuz the more normal it gets to me the more empowered of a consumer and business person and human being I feel that I am and the more I feel like I can access those you know helpful resources when I need them whether it's talking about real estate or if it's talking about my business or if it's talking about my family in the future etc there's so many instances where it's helpful so We're learning things, guys. We're building our wisdom. We're adding to our toolkit. And hopefully you guys enjoy this episode with Chung. He's such a cool person. And just learning about his work has been phenomenal. So a little bit more about Chung before we get into the episode. He is the co-founder and partner at Council for Creators, LLP, i'm learning the difference of what llc llp all that stuff is he went to uc berkeley go bears class of 02 and he studied economics he went to loyola law school um he was a diversity manager and project manager at nbc universal for two and a half years and he started council for creators back in 2016 he's the dad to a beautiful son kenzo he loves fitness he's djing too and a meditation advocate it's amazing we have so many ways that um We integrate all the other facets of ourselves into our work. And I just really love how he brings all of that to the table when he wants to support creatives. So, um, yeah, he's a seasoned entertainment attorney and uh, talks about entertainment, commercial transactions, copyright, trademark, corporate law, all the fun stuff. And he provides legal support for independent film production, what, what, post-production, digital content production, music, book publishing, multimedia art, illustrations, public art, and software development, to name a few, all of which apply to me. So I've been just fascinated, learning tons. Um, And yeah, Council for Creators is a new and next generation law firm that's focused on the needs of creative businesses and individuals on a wide range of legal matters. I love how they focus on making it uh, affordable for us and uh, doing some subscription and a la carte. I'm a spoiled millennial. (laughs) The millennials are like the grownups right now too. So um, I love that we're evolving industry. I'm all for it. I'm like that Silicon Valley kid that's like, how can we make this better? How can we solve problems that's better suited for our generation? So I love it. And uh, they provide legal counselors in the area of entertainment, corporate business, and intellectual property. So y'all go check it out, Council for Creators. The link will be in the description. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for us to talk about legal issues and matters and protecting yourself with our guest this week, Chong Enjoy. Yeah. Came
0: in 88 with a dream, also bright eyed. knew right away, a swim, there's no lifelines. Life-life. Cutting the teeth on the move, <laughs> nobody's feeling Welcome to shoes.
1: First of All Chung, <laughs> how are you?
0: How's nutty? it going, Benji? <laughs> Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thank you for being here. I'm really kind of regretting that we didn't record our earlier chat. <laughs> I know, there's <laughs> a lot of, of great
0: stuff that no one's going to hear, huh, unfortunately. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it'll be for us, it'll be for us. How, how are you doing today, though?
0: Um, you know, doing okay. Um obviously we're recording this the day after the news about the uh, the latest mass shooting in in Vault, so, you know, mm-hmm. trying to process all that and Yeah, it's it's a it's a heavy day for a lot of people, I think. How about you?
1: Same, same. I'm I'm going through Kind of a roller coaster because yesterday was also the day of a friend's film premiere and it's a it's like a gay rom-com, which it was so hilarious and so lighthearted, and it's just his bright honestly. It's my friend Andrew on, and it's such a good film.
0: Oh, it's uh uh what's the name of his film? I just saw Fire the trailer Oh, <laughs> it looks so good.
1: It is really good, honestly. Like, and I've seen him, I was at Sundance with him when he did Spa Night, which was, you know, his independent Fantastic feature. Film. And yeah, and he's just uh, he's done such great job, uh, such a great job. The room was so full of love and laughter, but there was also that the underlying sadness because that we just you know everyone's learning the news in real time. So it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like a, we're going through all these extremes, which is like not new at this point.
0: Yeah, life has been um, life has been. Uh, this is a, a huge understatement, but life has been mm-hmm. very tricky the last uh, however many years. I think.
1: Good word, tricky challenging Mm, challenging uh overwhelming (laughs) it's it's just like you're you're trying to I think we're all for me at least I'm trying to find like little pockets of joy and like working on the gratitude especially like knowing we don't know what the hell's gonna happen next um and cultivating that sense of being present but then like yeah we keep getting thrown these things you're just like oh my gosh how
0: do i yeah but i think i think those things that you're doing right being mindful being present i assume you meditate too right like doing mm-hmm. things like that and also trying those trying to identify the pockets of joy being grateful which i think is you know gr- so important for like to to achieve happiness right like gratitude is like a kind of like a the secret to true happiness i i think my opinion so I agree. you're doing all those things so that you can kind of weather like the, the situations that happen that are, you know, incredibly like emotionally burdensome, right?
1: Totally, totally true. Well put. And I'll be real. I'm not, I'm very curious for you because you have such a, you are an insanely productive person, which we're going to find out about. And you do a lot of amazing work. Are you a successful meditator? Because I am not. Just to be completely real, I I do my best and I, I'm a very um, persistent persister, (laughs) if you will. Like <laughs> I, I've learned through my life at this point, like I will mess up. I will be inconsistent, but I will keep trying. I think that is something I give myself grace and credit for that. I'll get knocked on my butt and then I'll be like, okay, get back up, go at it again. Cause I'll get totally down, Like, Oh, I didn't meditate my 30 days or even like, like two weeks. I'll like, I didn't do it consistently. So are you a consistent <laughs> meditator? I'm really not but I'm working. I
0: think I, I have like, I go, I go in spurts. So I'll go like, yeah, I'll go like years of consistent daily meditation. And then I'll have like months and then I'll have months where I don't really do that much. And I'm currently in one of those periods where I have not been able to do it every day. Usually my thing is to do it. Like one of the first things I do as part of my morning routine is I'll meditate for 20 minutes Um, and in the afternoon, if I need it, then I'll do another 20 minutes. Right. But generally I try to just do 20 minutes every day. Um, what I've learned about myself in, you know, my meditation practice is I can't get down on myself if I don't do it. Like I can't Mm -hmm. treat myself with judgment. Right. If mm-hmm. something happens because things happen. Right. So yeah. I think that aspect of my practice is something that I value even more than almost even more than the the, the meditation itself, because I'm at a point now where I don't judge myself if I don't do it. Right? Good because for you. Right? Yes,
1: yes. But, uh.
0: but I think that's, that's really important for me, because I think like, uh, I'm probably very hard on myself, uh, mm-hmm. or I hold myself to a certain like standard. So you know, I think that I'm with everything in my life, I'm trying to work through that. And you know, meditations, no different, I think. Um, and it sounds like you kind of, to, to me, like, you're, what I'm hearing from you is like, you're, you're kind of at that point too, where you're, if you don't do it, you're just going to pick yourself up and do it again, right?
1: That's I cool. think so. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that feels very nice to be acknowledged. Yeah. I, I, I think I am. And it took me a really long time to get here, but I think yeah. it's also just like a uh, exhaustion and, and enough experience to be like, you know what, it doesn't work when I give myself shit first off, you know, like yeah. it, it's like, it's a very minor effectiveness. And I was like, it's, it's gonna, I'm more effective if I am forgiving to myself. And then, you know, for whatever reason, whatever the motivation is, I'm like, yeah, it works better when I'm just like, you know what, Minj? like, you didn't do it. You had a hard day, like stuff happened. Just, just do it again. It's fine. You know, like not only over- like yeah. you're wonderful and you're a goddess and you're queen. Cause that also wasn't working. I was like, come on. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like very, I like very reasonable with myself. I was like, I, I love you, <laughs> but like, it's just, you miss meditation. Let's go back at it. Like, Yeah, Yeah. my internal monologue is very funny.
0: Yeah, Um, someone (laughs) someone told me. I think it was my therapist. She said that um, perfectionism is just a reflection of your insecurities, right? Mm. So, like when you're trying to be perfect, when you want to be, when you want like hold yourself to a very high standard, really, you're just saying like I'm very insecure about certain things. Maybe I think so. I'm kind of still thinking about that, but I I thought that was interesting that she said that.
1: I think that's a very worthwhile thing to ponder about because i think yeah. there's a nugget of truth maybe not like i get kind of, i love we're just going to therapy right now this is great i love this um but like the older that i'm getting the less I said this in, I think, previous episode, but I'm just like less, I'm really less definitive about a lot of things. Funny, because you're a lawyer mm. and I think your your world revolves around definitiveness. But well, I, we, we
0: don't, we, I like to say we don't deal in absolutes. We, uh-huh. we you know, and, you know, if you ever ask a lawyer a question, they're never going to give you a straight answer. They, you know what they always say? They always say, it depends. It depends. Right. It depends.
1: But you're relying on something that is defined, right? Or at least you're seeking answers from things that are written down and codified and all that. But like, to me, I'm very like gray and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This might be good now, you know, and it works at this moment and there's truth in it at this current context, but is it absolutely true? You know, in everything, does it apply to everything? No. And so I'm very like, maybe, everything's like, maybe, kind of, depends. Yeah. so. We're on the same page.
0: I mean, how sure can we be about everything, right? Like, it's it's sort of like, I mean, not to get too metaphysical, but there's a lot. There's There's been so much time put into uh, contemplating why we exist and why we're here and how the yeah. earth came to be and all that stuff, right? So, how I mean, how sure can you be here, really?
1: Indeed. If you take nothing away from this conversation, anybody listening to this right now, you can't be too sure. But...
0: Can't know everything.
1: You can't know everything. However, I'll say to to welcome everybody back into why I I already introduced you and like talked up all your amazing accolades, the amazing work that you've done as a, as an attorney, um, just working in entertainment and like the work that you and I have been doing together. Like I'm getting a peek into this this. Venture of yours with Council for Creators. The reason why I brought you here, Chung, is just like I really admire you as a person and the work that you're doing. And also because I think my overall intention that has continued to be like clarified and redefined in this podcast is that I care about people sharing their areas of expertise to empower everyday people. I think for me, I'm like, I feel so small and ordinary and powerless in a lot of situations. And then when I learn something that helps me get out of that feeling of like being empowered and being like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. I need to tell my friends about it. That's essentially what this is like. Oh, you you can do this. Or, oh, this is a resource available to you. And then also questioning like, why the hell have we been doing it this way? Is there a better way to do it? And I think you you embody a lot of that, of that questioning authority Uh, and the status quo (laughs) and also like resources and tools of like, how can we, how can we operate and exist in a better way? I guess however you want to find better. Does that make
0: sense? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that was incredibly generous and kind of you to say. So thank you so much. I appreciate you and appreciate being able to talk a little bit about this, you know, um, When my partner and I formed our law firm, um, over seven years ago, um, Mm -hmm. we both came from like creative backgrounds and from the perspective of having worked in the legal industry for a while, we just saw how, um creators, you know, not to get too crass, but creators were getting kind of screwed over a lot, right? Independent creators anyways, right? That's and the least crass seem... way I've
1: ever heard it put. I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: tr- I'm, I don't know if like kids are listening to this, so I, I'm trying yeah. not to swear. Are we allowed to swear on this?
1: You're allowed to say whatever you want.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, maybe it'll come up later. Maybe I'll have the right opportunity. Um, yeah. I, yeah, we, we we realized that the, the legal industry as it was constructed wasn't... Uh, designed to support independent creatives because fees were prohibitively expensive and unpredictable too, right? Like um, number two, attorneys were never responsive to, to not, not literally not responsive. Like they would like ghost their clients. And that's sort of like a standard in the industry. It's sort of like, I'll get I'll, I'll You you'll hear from us when you need to hear from us kind of, mm. kind of vibe. That's, that's always been uh, uh, persistent in the industry. And so we're like, well, if we wanted to create a law firm for ourselves, how, what would it look like? Right. And I think the big things for us are, you know, l- getting legal support is so important bef- before anything goes wrong. Right. Yes. It's really, really important to set up a foundation so that not only do you feel secure and protected, but also the people that you work with, the relationship, the relationships that you have with the people that you work with, those mm-hmm. are secure. The Mm -hmm. things that you create, you know, your creative works, whether whether it's a film or a book or whatever it is, your creative works are secure and protected. And then, lastly, like your brand, what represents you to your consumers and your audience, that's going to be protected too. Once all the four of those things are solid, then you can kind of go about in approaching your business in a way where you're free to kind of express yourself creatively. And if something goes wrong, at least, you know, hey, you know what, I'm prepared for it, because I have the solid foundation in place. That's sort of like, um, our mission, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't think that legal, like getting good legal help um, should be for everyone, regardless of like the size of their business, regardless of like their budget, right? And yeah, there's a lot of I and mean, we can definitely talk about it. But, you know, we we are very big on like, all the different resources that are potentially available to people, um, just so they know that, like you said, uh, in the intro, like you don't have to spend a lot of money or really you don't have to spend any money to get answers. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think there's like the, even it relates back to like the, the state of the world right now. I feel like there's just this widening divide about the people who have access to resources, to power, to advantages and privileges and those who don't right? And that pisses me off. (laughs) Not happy about that. And as, you know, the kid of immigrants that where I've always been very defensive and I feel like I'm on guard to a certain degree, like every day of my life, wondering if or when somebody might take advantage of my parents or other people Mm. that I love my entire community and constantly hearing stories about that and knowing that it is happening and just being, that's that's a different existence, right? I'm sure that there are kids out there who don't, have haven't They don't think about those things until they're much older, until they encounter that in their own jobs or like, you know, something, a large contract or some deal or their car or something. But I think there's a large swath of people that deal with certain harsh realities of inequity and um, just powerlessness if in a way really early on. And there's a different existence when you live with that for a long time. You know, and I'll even say on my on my in my life, on my end of the spectrum, I grew up in a middle class, upper middle class environment. So to me, even I imagine there's there's a lot of people, even outside of my my encounters with like people getting screwed over. This is beyond like creatives. This is like, you know, parents and small businesses and like all kinds of things that are happening that are way worse than what I went through, right? I'm probably of the privileged class of this particular group, right? So there's so many ways to like slice and dice it, but I think the overall thing that I've I've been very um sensitive to, I think, is just like how come all these people get the help and these people don't? I don't like that. And yeah, it doesn't yeah, yeah. and it also doesn't have to be this way. And then the fact that my brother, who had a very colorful, you know, growing adolescence and he grew up to become an attorney, like watching him go through law school and like fight with him a lot after law school cuz he was unbelievably annoying. Um, But then like, you know, watching him be an attorney and do the work that he does and like interact with him, debate with him, argue with him and me being the creative, like I've been able, I've been so lucky to have that in my life where I have access to seeing how it all works and then having the guidance from someone who cares about me so much, which is my brother, to the degree that I have access to him, right? To give me warnings or like not be so naive because I can be really overly trusting Chung. Like, I just want to believe that the best people are like at the top and it's not. And I know that because I've encountered some bottom of the barrel people, but like I can be really overly trusting and I even get into some sticky situations too, where I just don't like look at the fine print or, you know, like I'm acting in good faith that like, oh, they'll pay me when they get to, you know what I mean? Like all the different things that we get, the sticky spots we get into, um, it's helpful to have somebody to empower you with knowledge and then with like the powers of the law. Or, uh, this is one part, you know, to like flex and be like, you can't do that. It, to me, it feels very protective and like a necessary power that I haven't had access to until very recently.
0: You know? Yeah. I thought, I think it's, that's interesting that you talk about like privilege um, because. Yeah, it's always great. And you were talking about gratitude earlier, right? I think gratitude. I think recognizing your privilege. I think those are all good things to have for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I do mm-hmm. also think, like you know, whatever negative experiences you had, despite your privilege, are also authentic too, right? So I think mm-hmm. like that power dynamic that you're talking about, where there's a, um, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, have the haves and the have-nots, or the people in power and the people who are maybe um, um, marginalized, right? Mm-hmm. That exists in a lot of different areas of life including right. in the creative areas right in in the arts and entertainment and stuff and I think like for someone to be able to pursue their passion like uh, artistic passion as their career I mean that in and of itself has carries some priv- does carry some privilege right because right. as an artist you don't have to work in the office you don't have to like work at McDonald's and you don't have a nine-to-five you can actually express yourself like creatively and artistically which is a wonderful thing and does carry some privilege, I guess. But at the same time, if you are like an independent filmmaker and you are, let's say, entering like a deal with a big studio or production company that has resources, that's done it a million times and it's your yeah. first time. I mean, there's going to be a, a a bit of a, a power dynamic uh, that exists there, right? Where yeah. as the independent creator, you are not going to have all the leverage. In fact, you might have, you might not have uh, any leverage, uh, in entering that, uh, deal. So like you are saying, to be able to level the playing field and to provide resources to these independent artists and creators, um, is sort of like our mission. Like I said, right. I know yeah. I keep saying that's our mission. I think by the end of this conversation I'll have <laughs> said like five or six missions, but that good. is very important to us. It's vital to like our, what it's vital to like what we do and why we do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's it's sort of like I love I love what we do. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that your brother's uh, an attorney. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll ask you what what kind of law he practices, but I think like a lot of people who ask me what kind of law I practice, I always say I kind of do fun law honestly because <laughs> <laughs> I get to work with like dope people who do like amazing things, and I get to see like I get to see an idea kind of like develop from it's infancy all the way to something that's fully formed and realized mm-hmm. that the public can also appreciate and, and experience. And that's like, yo, that's like so fulfilling. That's like so gratifying, you know?
1: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, I, I'm a, uh, I am i do not know where I stand on this now, Ken, the older that I get, I don't know, like when I think of me becoming a parent and like, what would I want to teach my kid? What would my philosophy be on it and attitude? Like, I do believe in, like, hard work and, like, paying your dues, if you will. I'm wondering, like, how that actually plays out. But, like, doing—kind of, like, exploring things that you don't want and, like, doing—to get to the things that you do want. So I'm curious, like, before we're going into, the, like, the nuts and bolts of, like, the legal industry, because I'm very curious about that, what you've learned and what you are open to, like, sharing with other people. Because I do think, just to, like, be clear— you, I'm a creative and you run a firm that helps specifically creatives, but I do think that this conversation is very translatable to anybody because I think everybody... Has something that they want to protect, and they have things like their assets, their family, their livelihood, whatever, um, their businesses. I think there's so many free, more and more freelancers out there than ever before, right? And so sure. you're you are your own business, whether you've framed yourself as an entrepreneur, which that word in and of itself is so. I don't. I grew up in Silicon. We grew up. We're both from Silicon Valley, right? That just strikes a whole like. Yep. I'm getting my Series A funding from like my <laughs> angel <laughs> yeah. investor. Like it's not just that. Like an entrepreneur. Like I've had to learn all those things as like a fledgling little voiceover actor, right?
0: You're an entrepreneur. We're both entrepreneurs.
1: Right. We're both entrepreneurs. And I, I previously did not categorize myself as that, but like, there's all these words and these terms and these things that I think we feel don't apply to us when in fact they do. So I just trying to expand that part for anybody who's like, oh, I don't know if this applies to me. I, I would argue, <laughs> I say this so much because I talk with my brother. I argue, <laughs> I would argue, <laughs> yes, it does apply to lo- you.
0: He must love that. He must love that so much. He
1: kind of does. He signed up for it. So whatever. Um, and the Lord assigned me bed. to him. He did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue that it does apply to every single person out there. And I think legal services, whether you're actor, artist or whatnot, or creating something, which more and more people are, um, it still applies and the same principles apply and the same kind of attitudes of like, who and what can I flex and what kind of resources can I get access to? That to me applies to everybody. So I'm just saying that to be ultra Captain Obvious. But going back to my original thought was, chunk. like, how did you, you're at this fulfilling point in in work with like, working with creatives. Can we go back to the beginning when like you were first pursuing law? What was the, what was the plan? Did you have a plan or like a goal in mind of what you were going to do with what you're studying?
0: Um, I had no idea. Um, okay. So I, it's funny. I talked to a lot of uh, law students and like young lawyers who like reach out to me. Right. Is um, it a lot of, a lot from the, like the Asian H&M community too, and the Vietnamese community. But um, this is, I'm very transparent with them. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I w- went to law school. I kind of had made up this like narrative in my head, like, oh, you know, like if I go to law school, I'll be able to help people, which is true. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I had no idea. Um, I I did undergrad at Berkeley and then I studied econ oh, and um, I know you didn't ask, but th- th- I'll provide some context. Yes. Um, I... And I was sort of on track to work in like corporate finance at one of the, like the Silicon Valley big companies, like eBay or IBM. I was interviewing for corporate finance, right? So pretty much like a career in something that I would find completely soulless and deeply uninteresting, right? But secure, stable, kind of like what our parents would want for for us, right? So mm-hmm. I I was I opted out of that uh, in like the most dramatic way possible because. During my senior year, there was like a career fair, and I went to the career fair with my friends. And there was like a booth for this company, this Japanese company, and like they're they're since they're they're no longer in business, but their whole thing was like, "Hey, we run English language schools in Japan. Uh-huh. Do you want to come to Japan and teach English? We will pay for you to come over. Not much, but we'll pay for you, and we'll provide accommodations for you." Mm-hmm. And wow. I was like, yep, sign me up. So I moved to Japan. <laughs> so I lived, <laughs> I was like, fuck all this corporate nonsense. Like, I don't want to deal with any of it. I just want to escape and run away as far as possible. So I ended wow. up moving to Japan. I lived there for two and a half years, had a blast, traveled all over Asia. Um, that So that was like my starting point, like going mm-hmm. back to, so once I came back to the States after three years, right? After mm-hmm. having all- traveled all over the world, India, Thailand, Vietnam, all over for months living in Japan, you know, kind of broadening my horizons, I guess. Yeah. I was back to square one. I was like, okay, I guess I can get a job in finance uh, or like, you know, whatever. And I did that for a minute for, and I hated it. And I, at the time, you know, my dad, my dad's an attorney. So um, I, and I never wanted to be a lawyer, but I thought, well, you know, If I'm a lawyer, maybe I'll be able to get a job, right? Super naive and like a deeply unconstructed kind of way of viewing going to law school. Because Uh, had I known how much debt I would have to like incur in order to go to law school, I probably would be like, okay, maybe you should like um, hit pause and figure something else out, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. So when, so when I, so I took the LSAT, just like, okay, I I guess I have to do this because I guess if I go to law school, uh, the answers will open up in front of me, right? I was very lost. Um, and once I got to, once I got into law school, I went to Loyola in Los Angeles, great school. Um, um, interesting facts, um, Loyola law school, the campus is in downtown, not in, not on the West side. But so the law school is like completely separate, um, was the first, uh, I think commercial big commercial project for, uh, Frank Gary, you know, Frank Gary, he did the Walt Disney concert hall.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, why does that name sound familiar? Yes.
0: Yeah. This is Loyola law school was his first, like that was his first big gig.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so little, little factoid for you. Um, (laughs) but yeah, one of your, your question was like, did you know, or like what was, what was going on? I had no idea. I'd know what idea was doing. I kind of fell through fell into like just going through the motions of trying to study really hard and find the right study partners and try to do as well as I could to get like a high paying job, but I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, honestly. Yeah. Um, but what happened was during law school, because Loyola is in Los Angeles and has a very good entertainment law program, I was able to have access to all these super interesting classes that sounded way more interesting than like criminal law or like estate planning or whatever i would so i took like motion picture financing uh mm. that was one of the classes i took mm. uh reality television uh, um was another like like from the context of like a legal uh, wow. context right like wow, i took wow, that wow. music law video game law i took all these really interesting classes and then you know a lot of uh loyal alums end up working in entertainment so i ended up being able to get an internship in law school and for the first time in law school I was like oh yeah I feel like this is more my vibe like mm-hmm. the people that I work with the things that I'm working on it's all very transactional very deal based it's not antagonistic you know like I'm not mm-hmm. I don't have to litigate go to court or get that kind of training and that doesn't interest me at all right so mm-hmm. what I learned was like you know the legal profession is very broad there's a lot of different areas of law that you can do right and and you know and you know as an extension of that there's a lot of different areas of law that you can have an impact in Right. So for me, Mm -hmm. I was like, I think I can have an impact more in this type of law than any other aspect of law. And I'm kind of like I'm locked in because like I'm like a year and a half, two years in. I'm like wildly in debt now because of law school. Right. So (laughs) there's no I have no I have no other option, you know. Yeah. Um, So so, yeah, that's that's sort of what where the genesis of me being a lawyer for creative started, I think.
1: I love it. I think there's a, it's such a—I love origin stories because you just get to see all the different stones that—the stepping stones that were appearing before you. You had no idea of, like, where they're going to go, but you're just going from one to another. And I think that's really, like, mostly how life is. You have no genuine, like, certainty. I think it's amazing if you have that vision. And I, like, I had this vision and desire of, like, wanting to work in entertainment. But if we, if we went back on the path that got me to where I am now— it'd be like all over the freaking map. There'd be no like sense of it, but it was, it was your sense. It was your gut and it was your mistakes. If you call it that to me, it's like, everything is a lesson and you're just like, yeah, I'm going to go with it. And I love that because I think that gives a lot of, um, hopefully reassurance to anybody else out there constantly. I personally still, even though I know as a very full-fledged adult that like life is You cannot plan, you know, you, you can plan, but like, it's not going to go according to plan. Even though I know that very thoroughly, it's always good to get a reminder. Like it goes the way it goes, you know, and it's good to have a plan and a vision, but like, you really don't know how you're going to get there and it still can work out. Like, I think things do work out the way, you know, like you just kind of follow your gut. And I love that (laughs) it's very dramatic because I want to revisit one moment with you because in my mind. I love that you're like ultra dramatic. You're like, I'm going to Asia. Bye, and like (laughs) probably crushing your parents. Were they crushed? Yes. Oh yeah.
0: They were not. They were not happy. No, they were definitely not happy. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Did you get an ear? And like, it was very,
0: it was very evident to everyone what I was doing. I was running away from (laughs) you know responsibility and like you know settling down and stuff. So it was very clear for everyone. But But you're
1: working too there. So again, I could argue. Was was he working? Was he running away or running towards? I was was working.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was working as was mostly, it was, I don't, I mean, it was wonderful for, for my perspective, I think to be able to live overseas and to like, kind of like, kind of like dive into like another, another culture um, and just to travel a lot. I think that's like so important. Um, again, I, like I said, I talked to so many uh, newbie attorneys and like law students and and even like kids who want to go to law school or thinking about going to law school. And I'm always like, like you said, It's hard to have a clear uh, uh, understanding of what you're supposed to do, right? And I think, like, a lot of times you get all these, like, weird social and, like, peer pressure. Like, just a lot of pressure to, like, kind of figure out what you want to do. But it takes time. It took me forever to figure that out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was already, like – I was already, like – I think when I graduated from law school – I was thirty, so yeah, I I was like in my late twenties when I kind of started figuring it out. And even when I started becoming a working as a lawyer, I still had to figure things out too. So I always tell people like, yeah, life is like you said like life is never linear. It's very circuitous. It's like like it's like a branch that keeps like creating new branches and like yeah,
1: sprawling, sprawling, sprawling. I'm just envisioning you because we both went to Cal, and that's a very specific environment and a specific geography where that is that environment of like berkeley itself proximity to san francisco the whole vibe there especially when we went to school which i feel like is different now um which years ago and you're a little bit older than i am but like leaving that departing that going to asia doing all that like world travel and there's such a specific like austerity about that school right and like there's that i kind of it's a really
0: great way to put it really yeah. great way to putting that
1: I Thank you. (laughs) Um, I went to Berkeley. No, uh, God. See, this is is what I'm saying. Like, I have a lot of pride in that and I'm very grateful. Mind you, I had no idea that Berkeley was as great of a school it was when I I got in and I went. I was brainwashed being in a very toxic relationship. So I, like, to me, I feel like there was a lot of divine guidance of, like, getting me to that school because I do think it was the best school for – it was, like, the right school for my personality type and, like, um, things. But I'm just, like – but also, there's a very specific experience there where, like, everyone's just obsessed with going to Haas or to business school mm-hmm. or going to—I was pre-med. Like, that's a very intense environment. A lot of late bloomer nerds, if you will. And yeah. just, like, this hunger and this ambition and these this pressure and this expectation for you to leave that and then go to Asia, travel, come back— And then come back to like, again, to Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. to the Bay Area where so much is happening. And you're just like crickets. You're like, I still don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I still have no (laughs) idea. And I was like like, so envious of like my friends that I grew up with that I went to high school with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like at Cal, you, if you want to get into, if you want to do engineering, you actually have to apply out of high school, right? So you have to be accepted out of high school. So I have friends like my, my high school best friend, actually, he still works at Google uh, to this day. He was engineering like from 18 on, he knew exactly what his path was Uh from 18, which Uh is crazy to me, you know, like that's like unfathomable to me. And so at that time, I think maybe, I don't know how you felt, but part of me was just like. A little insecure about it, too. I was just oh like, I mean, everyone else seems to know what they're doing, right? Yeah, 100%. so and I have no idea, so I might as well just go to go to Japan and figure it out. you know.
1: insecure is a very good word for it. i was I was very yeah. insecure and I was very lost. And I'll say, yeah. I'm very grateful for that. in hindsight, at the time, it was miserable. and I just felt so behind everybody. I had already felt behind for a lot of other reasons. And then like on top, I was like, they're all, they're all set. <laughs> they're all good. They're all, you know, studying for their, uh, you know, LSATs and MCATs. Like, it's like, it's set. And I really envied that. But I also like, I'm glad at the end of the day, I didn't succumb to that. Cause I was tempted to, I was really on that path. I was like hardcore, okay, I'm going to go be an OBGYN or a pediatrician and, or do public health, do public policy. And they're all, those are all great things, but I think it was very much because the outside world was prescribing that to me, but I'm really glad at the end, maybe I, I felt like I was being a coward. So maybe I'm grateful that I was too cowardly to pursue <laughs> or, and, or that I listened to my gut and was like, that's not it for me. I'm not. That's the
0: most important thing though, right? You listen to your gut, yeah. which I think a lot of yeah. like the outside pressure, what what that does is that creates noise that like cancels out what your gut is saying to you, right? So it's so like, true. which is going back to meditation, right? This is what meditation helps you with. It helps you like get back to like yourself and like listen to yourself and listen to your body, I think.
1: For um, sure. Which
0: I wish, I mean, I wish I knew about meditation when I was in my twenties. That would definitely have been very helpful. Do me, you think it times. would have
1: changed your the trajectory of your life a lot if you had I'm curious because to me because I'm so yes. like oh everything turned out how it's supposed to including that uncertainty and including that like what the what what the f- what am I doing like how do I do this I'm wondering if I had done everything I'm doing now would it have been better do you think it would have been better
0: It's hard to say, right? Because like they say, like, it's hard, like you should never look backwards or forwards. You should always just kind of be super zen, but you know, you should always be in the moment. But if we're just having fun and if if I think about like, okay, what if I invested in my mental health from like my early twenties, like Mm -hmm. would I be fundamentally different? I would say probably, right? Maybe I would make the same decisions. Maybe I would feel just as lost, but maybe I would be in a better place, you know, at, at each juncture in my life. Maybe so. I don't know. I don't know.
1: And to be completely meta, we'll never know. (laughs) Or, or the, or and or like from Maya, like maybe there's a parallel universe where that version of Chung exists, where you did start meditating at 20, and Mm -hmm. you made headspace. uh, You invented
0: headspace. Yeah, exactly. You know the guy who invented Headspace. He was a a, a, he studied juggling, or he's a clown, or something, and then he went to. Yeah. So he was a clown or trained clown, like a professionally trained clown, right? Like a, like a fancy clown. And then he ended up becoming Buddhist or was Buddhist. And he went to live in a monastery in Asia for like 10 years or something. What? Like that. And then he came back and then he invented headspace. See, talk yeah, about like
1: different paths. Talk about yeah, like I the unconventional. I love that. I love that. I love
0: hearing those kinds of stories. And you know, Mike, so like, um, kind of tie into like my, my current life uh, with my law firm, like everyone that works at our firm came from different paths, right? Love like so it. my partner, Jonathan, who co-founded the firm with me, he was a designer and web developer for awesome. 20 years, right out of high school. So he was in the dot-com boom, like the first one, uh-huh. right out of high school. He didn't even go to college. He was like, I can make more money being a developer. So that's what he did. <laughs> and done, done. Then he and then he's like, I wanna go and then when he was in his like late twenties, I was like, I want to go to law school. So he went to UCLA for undergrad and then law school seven straight years.
1: Wow. Jonathan's yeah. really cool by the way. I've talked to him because oh, I awesome. because I'm a client of yours and like I've been able to talk with him because he's helped me with my legal stuff and he's so cool. So hi Jonathan. Awesome. I hope I hope he's listening. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's probably not gonna listen, but I'll I'll tell him you said hi. Um, okay, thank you. I'll give him I'll give him the uh, the cliff notes of the interview uh, or the conversation, I should say. Um, and then cool. you know, Spencer, you've talked to as well. He's mm-hmm. one of our other attorneys. He was a designer for uh, uh create and like he ran his own like agency. He was a creative director for his own agency for many years before he went to law school. So very cool, very cool. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, I love this origin story. We're going to take a really quick break because I have more questions (laughs) I want to ask you. Uh, But yeah, we'll be right back after this very quick break.
0: Hi, I'm Marvin. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.
1: Hey, first of all, fam, if you're a fan of the show and would like to support, consider backing us on Patreon. You can join our Discord community and get different perks by going to patreoncom first of all podcast. If you'd like to support in other ways, you can go check out first of allpod.com or subscribe and leave a five star rating on your favorite platform. Or just follow me on Instagram, because I love hearing from you. Thank you all so much for the support, and enjoy the show. Welcome back from the break. How are you feeling, Chung?
0: Feeling great i feeling raw uh, and vulnerable
1: sharing your life story with us here.
0: I th- I think you're just maybe setting me up for, for, for more, uh, vulnerability, um, uh, towards, towards the, the latter half of this conversation. Is that, is that what's happening?
1: I mean, yeah, to be fair, I've been told that that's a, a skill of mine. <laughs> I'm here to oh, make really? you cry. Chung. No.
0: Oh boy. Oh, I, no. I no,
1: uh, I'm ready. No.
0: I, I could use a good cry.
1: Can't we all thank you. I mean, okay. Yeah. Talking about crying, it was funny. The questions that I had when I wondered about, like, your law school journey, because this makes me think of my brother. My brother has a very different, like, path with his—he um, needs to be a freaking guest on this show eventually. I just talk about him so much. But he, he like, has had a really interesting approach to, like, justice. And so I'm curious about, what, like, whenever somebody considers going into law— Right? Like, is it ever from, like, because I know that some people look at it as just, like, it's a really lucrative career, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, you're basically problem-solving the entire time. Um, And I don't know if I want to deal with that, but that's, you know— did you, was, did you have, when you were entering, it was just like the subject, because it sounds like the subject matter of like entertainment. Oh, that's really cool. Cause I could work in film and music and all these other things. Was the justice part ever a part of that? I'm curious. Cause that's, I'm a Libra rising. So it's a part of like my personality <laughs> <laughs> where I care about like that and like equality, all that. I'm curious, like, what was the motivation that sparked your interest? Yeah. Is it just like the, the industry?
0: Yeah. Justice is a, that's a, that's a really great question because I think as I was preparing to go to law school, I think that was one of the only like cogent things I could actually think about as far as why I was going to law school. Um, when I was at Cal, I was a student activist. Um, I worked with the Asian American recruitment retention center for like three years. Um, and so like, I think like, Bur- being at Bacal is where I I think politically I, I I got my perspective. I mean, some would call it I was radicalized, but really, like I think that's what really <laughs> shaped me, right, to mm-hmm. be the person that I am, to have the values that I have mm-hmm. uh, politically and socially and all that. So, I think going to law school, it was very top of mind to me to, uh, to 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 believe, and I think it's true. Like, look, I'm an immigrant. We're we're people of color. We're not we're we're minorities in this country. So historically, we are not the people in this country that have access to education, power, justice, resources to better ourselves. We've kind of had to do it on our own, right? So for me, I was like, okay, well, law school is a way for me to introduce knowledge and access to justice to my community, right? Because I can speak on it and I can be a representative of my community. So if anything, like besides not knowing what I was doing at all, which was very like, uh, a very real thing at that time. This is also something like, uh, at the same time that I actually believed, like going to law school, getting that kind of education, you will get, uh, you'll have the ability to provide, uh, resources and, and, and inroads for your community to get, uh, access to justice, access to resources. And it's become kind of an important part of like my, our law practice too, right? Like providing access to legal services, regardless of, you know, who you are, what your size is, what your budget is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like people who go to law school, I think justice can mean different things to different people, right? Because yeah. like justice for some people could be, there's too many criminals on the street and we need to like lock them up and we need to, you know, I want to be a district attorney so I can lock them up and clean up the streets, right? Maybe yeah. that person, and I went to law school with some of those people, mm-hmm. believes that's what justice is. Mm. Other people might believe justice is, you know, well, I I want to represent a certain demographic of people and help them mm. and help them achieve the things that they want to achieve and help protect them, and they mm-hmm. that's justice for them, right?
1: Yeah, that's it's very poetic, and I I think that's like something I'm just gonna I'm gonna be chewing on that for a while because
0: what what, what kind of what, what kind of attorney is your brother?
1: Uh, he works for the government now. So he's working in Orange County and, like, helping wonderful justices or judges make the best call. Um, But he's worked in the corporate world. And I just, like, that's—and I I have other lawyer friends. Like, I've heard a plethora of stories of, like, the lifestyle, too— It's not just like about the work, it's the way that the work is done, which I think that's something really worth examining across the board. And that's like, I had a whole episode on like um, the great resignation because it's not always just to me, it's a lot just about the what you're doing, but it's like, how are you doing? How often are you doing it? And to what, you know, degree are you being stretched and demanded to do work for a corporate giant or whoever, you know, some, some, some larger machine that's like trying to extract your 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 very expensive skill set out of you for their gain. There's that's one way to look at it, right? You mean Versus like, like
0: uh, exploit? It sounds like you're describing exploitation.
1: I think one could argue that the way that capitalism <laughs> exists in this society is pretty exploitative. Yes.
0: I sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, not putting words in your mouth. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, no, doing.
1: no. But you're reading me. No, I, you're, you're smart guy, Joke. I, I, you're, 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 you're on to something. And that's, that's the, that's the injustice that I don't like. And like this cultural, yeah. the cultural injustice that we somehow like, inadvertently end up living, right? Like that, uh, okay, I'm spending like 80 hours a week when I should be, should be working 40 and is 40 the healthy version? And why am I doing all of this? Why am I giving all my time and energy away for something unfulfilling, taking time away from family and travel or things that other things that can expand my consciousness, my mind, my happiness, my joy, my gratitude. And that's what I was seeing because I was I've been surrounded by a lot of amazingly smart driven overachievers who have their own immigrant parents or their own set of pressures to say you know this is what we prescribe to you for a successful life and that includes like the law universe where it's just there's a high rate of a lot of unhappiness and discontent yes, for sure. um and darkness. And just yes. when I hear and talk to my brother and my friends, you know, I have multiple friends that have been in that world. A lot of them want to leave with like all of their heart and soul because mm-hmm. it just kills them. And I was like, yeah, thinking about it, like you guys are getting up every day dealing with problems and finding out whose fault it is and then what consequence depend on that fault, you know? And I was like, that's a pretty... That's a pretty tough way to get up and go to work every day, you know. Like I'm dealing with insecure actors. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I'm dealing with Hollywood, which which is its own dumpster fire. (laughs) But like, you know, I've elected to be there. But like, yeah, I just looked at it from that lens. I was like, wow, that's a lot. So I'm curious, like, what when you went to law school and you're like into that space, was it because you because eventually between then, law school, and now, you you have your own firm and you're doing this council for creative things, which is so. I would love to talk about that because I think it's so innovative. But in, the, in between, what was your experience like working in, like, the corp- – is it just corporate – would you call that corporate entertainment law or, like, entertainment yeah. law? Yeah,
0: yeah. It, um, it was very difficult for me. What I realized about myself um, and, you know, from the time of – from graduating from law school to, to now is I – I mean, my personality is—I kind of—I feel like you might be the same way too. I kind of chafe at authority, right? And <laughs> just a little bit. the just a little bit, right? Um, <sighs> and yeah, it was just like, yeah, I worked at NBC Universal, I worked corporate. It was very cushy, but it was also like very un- deeply unfulfilling. I think for me, because not and not because of my bosses and not because of the people I worked with, because they were wonderful, but I think just from a general like from a philosophical standpoint, like I just didn't like that I had to show up at work at a certain time, (laughs) dress a certain way. um, And that, you know, working really hard could also be valued as much as your results. Right. Mm. Or the, the, the optics of working really hard. Oh, he's a hard worker. Right. Mm -hmm. The optics of that could also be like better than like, Oh, he, he kills it, but he just, he shows up late and he leaves, leaves early or something. Right. So that aspect of it wasn't appealing to me. I didn't like like, that, you know, all this studio, you know, you've been on a uh, studio a lot. So you see like all the executives have their own parking spots and then everyone else has to park in the garage and stuff. Yep. I didn't like that aspect of it too. It um, felt like kind of like creating that divide between the purpo- the people that uh, make decisions and then the people that work for them. I, I didn't really like that. Um, and then, you know, I, after I left NBC I worked at a smaller law firm for a couple years with my, my friend who founded the firm, he's now based in Vietnam working on more entertainment projects here and also in Vietnam and representing a lot of projects and entertainment folks in the Vietnamese like film industry, that was like a lot of fun. And that's where I first learned about running your own business through, through my friend, Ken. Um, he was a really great business person. And for me, I was like, Oh, you can be a lawyer and a business person at the same time. Because when you're in law school, just like with any professional school, just like with any, anything, right. Even business school, they don't teach you how to run a business right they teach you like the sort of uh the theoretical things that you're supposed to be studying and learning right to get a degree right so that's where I really first saw how to run a small business right and we also represented a lot of small business owners ourselves right so that's really where I got a lot of seasoning um so after I I was after there I was there for a couple years I was like okay well you know what I know I don't want to like to work with other people. I know I want to work for myself. I'll start my own law firm. So that's what I did for about a year until mm-hmm. I met my partner, John. And then we decided to merge our practices and form Council for Creators. Um, but, you know, like every experience I had, even with NBC, which, you know, sounds like I was being negative, but truly I learned a lot from being there. Yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity. Um, I think that every experience kind of formed the culture that I wanted when I started my own practice because like- with with us now at council for creators uh one of the things we tell people who work for us is like we actually don't care how hard you work we actually prefer that you're efficient right Mm. we -hmm. don't have a dress code you can work remotely we don't have a vacation policy if like spencer is like hey i need to take next week off i'll be like sure go ahead as long as he has his work done right Right. and does it well that's what we are we're results driven i think like what what you're talking about, uh, as far as like the burdens of being in the legal industry, right. Um, they really resonated with me because that is true. Like you've seen it with your friends, with your brother, like you're not just having to deal with other people's problems. You're also having to deal with your own problems. And then on top of that, you don't have the space to, pro- to deal with your problems because you have to work 80 hours a week and yep. you're like responsible for billing all these hours, billable hours. None of that, none of that is appealing to, to us at all. So like, we're very clear. We don't have a minimum billable hours. We, you know, like this is also one of our other missions (laughs) or values, I guess, is I think that any attorney that works for us isn't defined by the fact that they're a lawyer, right? I I feel like people Mm -hmm. contain, what's that expression? People contain multitudes, right? Um, And you you should be able to do the things that you're passionate about outside of work. And I feel like if you do have that opportunity to do that, you're going to be a better uh, employee. You're going to be a better attorney. You're going to be better at your job because you're happy. Yep. Right. So. And clear-minded. That's what we want to. Exactly. And not, clear-minded. And not popping
1: pills to deal with your anxiety and your, you know, like, honestly, I, I feel like there's so much so we're the most self-medicating society because we're sure. so overworked yeah. and so imbalanced with all the things that you're saying, right? With these billable. Also, can you, I'm not sure, this is an, but like, can you explain what billable hours, this is also why I wanted to have you on because. It was such a big barrier for me, even when, like having an attorney for a brother, why I was so scared to get legal help myself when I have all these ambitions of mine that I wanted to do. A big portion of this are are these terms and these like concepts and the cost, right? Not just like lofty concepts, but like expensive as fuck. Like I can't yeah. afford that. Can you explain billable hours? Because when he explained, I was like, my brain exploded. I was like, ex- this is yeah, why so you're so, so traditionally...
0: Traditionally, the 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 model in which law firms would get paid is uh, a client goes to the law firm and the client says, "Hey, I need you to. I'm going to hire you to do this thing." The law firm would say, "Okay, cool. We'll do that thing for you. We estimate it'll take about five to ten hours of time. So we bill at X an hour and mm-hmm. in, in, in ten minute increments. So." we need you to pay for those 10 hours up front so that we have money that we can bill against, right? Mm-hmm. So when we do the work, we can log our time and that time correlates to an, a certain amount of money that you have to pay us, but you've already paid us that money. We was, we just withdraw that money from the amount you paid us. That's called your tr- the client trust account. So basically you hold the law firm holds onto the client's money. They haven't earned it yet, but they're gonna earn it. And the way they earn it is with billable hours. So billable hours are when an attorney does work that's within the scope of what they're supposed to do for the client, they can bill for that time, like answering an email, talking to the client on the phone, drafting a motion, anything that's related to the work they're supposed to be providing to the client, they mm-hmm. bill for it, right? Yeah. The, the fucked up thing about the industry is that's the, if that's the only way your law firm makes money then chances are you're going to be incentivized to bill as many hours as you can.
1: Exactly, exactly. So
0: that's fucked up, even more fucked up because now an attorney, a young attorney, first year in a big law firm, they now have two sets of responsibilities. They know that, okay, I have to get my non-billable work because of course there's going to be a lot of work that you can't bill for, right? Mm -hmm. That you have to do, Mm -hmm. you know, on top of the billable hours, like the, the so, and so every law firm will say, Hey, lawyer that attorney that works for us, you are expected to bill at least at minimum of X number of hours a week in the month, and we're going to track you. And we have mm-hmm. systems to track how much time you spend. So, mm-hmm. like if you're if we see that you're not logging your hours, there's going to be a red flag or alert, and we're going to have to talk to you right? So there's all these systems in place to make sure that these attorneys are are billing their clients as many hours as possible. So not only is the attorney overworked, because now they're working on top of the eight hours they have to work, they have to bill another eight hours. So they're working like 14 to 16 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they won't, but usually they like, especially when they're in a crunch. Yeah, like I have friends who uh, work in big law firms, or even small law firms, and they have to bill uh, a ridiculous number of hours a week in a month so they're they're working 18 hour days 16 hour days mm-hmm. so that's so that's messed up for the attorney that's messed up for the client because now the clients are like okay i paid them 10 hours mm-hmm. they said they, they may not use all 10 hours mm-hmm. i don't know how much they're gonna s- spend so i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of screwed here because my fees are now unpredictable and yeah. the thing with attorneys is like traditionally they're not very responsive too so they may not even hear from their lawyer until they get a bill. <laughs> you know exactly. So that yeah. whole
1: relationship dynamic—that's like the worst relationship ever. You're getting ghosted yeah. every day, all day, and you're paying for it. It's like
0: there was a survey that, uh, that asked, like, there was a survey that asked people, like, hey, what are the top two? If you've ever worked with a lawyer, what are the top two things that you are the worst aspects of working with a lawyer? And do you know what number one was?
1: Getting ghosted.
0: Getting ghosted, non-responsiveness. Yeah, that was number one. More so than the fees, like, because it's expected, it's so messed up, this whole model. It's it's, it's expected that you will have to pay a lot of money to get a lawyer, right? Yeah. So that's number two. Number one is my lawyer doesn't get back to me. Like, I email them, it takes them, like, a week or two, or her or them, it takes them a week or two or three weeks to get back to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cause time is something you can't get money is a painful thing. It's it's. And again, this whole format that we've been doing, which is exchanging minutes for dollars, right. Or hours for dollars. This, this metric that we've been using for so many things versus the value of something is the way we've been valuing in general, I think is all kind of in an upheaval right now, which I think is appropriate. Is it chaotic? Absolutely. And it sucks. I'm not making like it out to be roses, but I think that it's worth examining right now. Um, but yeah, like you can't get back time and time is so precious because usually I'll say like when you're calling upon an attorney or you're, you're in a legal matter and you're, you're willing to pay that kind of money to get help. Because usually when you your ass is in a corner or back against the wall and you don't have any other options and every minute in that situation matters a whole lot. Those minutes and that hours, that lost day is not just like, dollars it's like you're losing quality of life the amount of stress that builds up like i've been in those situations by myself with family i've dealt with legal issues as a teenager cuz i was again dating a very dangerous person like they are those are very harrowing circumstances it's not like oh i'm so sorry you couldn't cuz you're and we think the worst of each other, certain cases that because of the status differentiation, like, oh, like, oh, my attorney didn't get back to me. I'm not envisioning they're, like, overworked and, like, you know, running on four hours of sleep. It's like, no, they're on a boat in Ibiza and they can't get back to me because they're they're too busy vacationing with all the money I've given for, like, yeah. you know, my entire life thing. So there's, just, like, a lot of room for resentment. We're just doing, like, a relationship breakdown. And it's not necessarily the case, but it creates a lot of distrust and, I think— negativity overall in like already probably a shitty situation. Cause you're not usually reaching out to your lawyer. Cause like things are going great. Um,
0: yeah. Which is that like, sucks. you know, that's, it, it does suck. And I think all that is well put. Um, yeah. You're not reaching out to a lawyer when things are going well, but I think you should, I think like that's, you absolutely should.
1: That's what I wanted to like talk with you about because The way that after going through all the messes that I have in life, like the way that I was looking at it, why I'm grateful that your company exists and the fact that we got connected through Marvin, through Empower and Collaboration was like, I never knew that something like this existed. And mind you, I'm very hesitant of like... Anything that costs money when something isn't going bad, I'm like, should I spend money on this? It seems like a waste, you know? Um, I should be saving all the money I can and not spending it on anything and save that money if, if and when something goes wrong. But my my mentality has been changing because A, my relationship with money is changing and then B, I've gone through enough messes where like it would have been nice to think about these things beforehand, before it got messy. And Yeah, proactive, just keep, proactive yeah, versus reactive. Exactly. And I've been through plenty of messes where like, just, yeah, having an extra uh, someone else in your corner and the fact that it was part of your mission, that you're so clear on that mission, that me as a as an independent creative where I'll say from my side of this, the thing, working with like literally hundreds, maybe thousands of, uh, I don't know, thousands, but like hu- definitely hundreds and hundreds of artists in my time through collaboration and watching all the different ways that we get screwed over, how much people steal yeah. from us, how much people devalue music that we make, a sketch that we write, like things that we do to like delight and entertain the world and that people do use in their marketing and their whatever so much of it gets stolen and or undervalued and i think that there is like you know it is a privilege to be an artist but it's also a choice and like there are it's a business and there are people that do exploit us and it was like nice to find a, an affordable investment for me to be able to, like hey i want to know what the heck i'm getting into beforehand
0: yeah Uh, And it's, you know, like, I think what I was saying earlier, like it's so gratifying to be able to work with amazing clients that do incredible things like yourself. Like that's what makes doing what I do like worthwhile. So yeah, it's, it's, it's everything that we build, everything that we do is for, for you guys, you know, Uh, is, is, is is, and is in support of your creative endeavors. Um, And, and yeah, I think like, There is a misconception about working with a lawyer, how it can be something that you need if you get in trouble, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, setting up that foundation and just having regular check-ins like, hey, so what is going on with you in your career, and your business right now? What are some things that maybe are going to be on the horizon? How can we help you plan for them, right? Right. So that you're always going to be ahead of the game, right? That's the key, right? Be ahead of the game, right? If you're ahead of the game, then that creates a lot of um um what's that the, the there's a saying right like uh, uh uncertainty creates anxiety right so you eliminate mm-hmm. the uncertainty to the extent that you can that creates confidence that creates uh more that empowers you right mm-hmm. um and i think like for for someone like yourself um my job is to make sure that you feel good enough where you don't have to worry about anything except for the, the creative things that you do, which are a lot of things that you have to worry about because these are like, (laughs) these are like, (laughs) these are not easy things. Well, you've been
1: hearing about them. I'm like, well, I don't know (laughs) what's going on.
0: (laughs) These are not easy things. And you mentioned it. You're not working with the the easiest people. Right. So like from time to time, I'm not saying like they're problematic, but you know, from time to time, like in the industry, in the arts, there's people are, people are wired differently. So you have to like free up your like mental and emotional bandwidth. So you can like work with all that stuff.
1: Absolutely. And I I think um, they all, in my opinion, like these experiences conflate together. So um, if I may flex so much, like uh, my first encounter, like acting in my own defense was when I was studying abroad in Paris and uh, British Airways brought me over from where was it from SFO Stopped in London, Heathrow, got to Paris. They lost my luggage, right? Which apparently is pretty common because London is the most traveled through airport in the world, I think. And it's mm. a shit show. It's insane there. And they lost my bag for a month. So I was studying. I, it was my main bag that had everything, all my clothes. It had it, my BlackBerry <laughs> at the time. I had a BlackBerry <laughs> that I had like you know made an international SIM card thingy for so I could still talk to my family. It was, and I spent a lot Why of money at the luggage? time— Uh, cause I thought my luggage would be with me when I got into, uh, uh, I had my regular phone, but it was like, I was going to activate, I'd been in Paris before. So I was like, oh, once I get to Paris, I'm going to go to, what was it? Cart Orange or like whatever the, Mm -hmm. the company's changed now, but I had a whole plan. I was like, okay, once I get there, I get settled, I'll take my phone, get the SIM card activated at blah, blah, blah. So I had this whole plan and had everything in this one giant bag and I had a tiny little carry on. They lost the big one, of course. And then, so I went through all this hell because um, their policies about like how much they're going to reimburse you if they lose your luggage was like a hundred euro. Right. But it's like, I had to basically advocate for myself. I was calling every single day. I mean, like, where's my luggage? Where's my luggage? I had to like buy everything from underwear to like hair stuff. Like I brought stuff, you know, my eye care, all of it was in this bag. And so it was gone for an entire month and I'm living off this one tiny little carry. Thank God I had the carry on. So I was like calling British Airways every day, British Airways Air France. And like, because my brother, I think was in law school at that time, he's like, log every call, write down how many minutes you were on the call with them, write down every person you spoke to. So this was like my intro to like, Being my own lawyer, I guess. And so at the end of it, they're like, we're only going to give you 100 euros. When I'd spent, I think, about 470 euros to, like, cover all the basic stuff that I wanted. I was always hoping I'd get my stuff back, right? Um and then i was like no i spent over 400 euros i was like sorry our policy is only to reimburse 100 euros if you if we lose your bag and i was like this is bullshit and because i looked at the fine print i was like that's if you lost it for a week so i went i went back and forth i was calling them they're getting irritated with me but i was like I, this is so unfair. You lost my bag for a month. I did nothing wrong. Your policy is like vague because it says, oh, for a week, uh, a week of lost luggage will give you a hundred euros. I was like, well, I have four. Let's multiply that. Let's also log. I wrote up, I think a seven page brief. (laughs) I, oh my god,
0: I, that's incredible! I
1: was and I was pissed. This is what happens when I get mad, you know. And so yeah. I was just I felt because technically, if I didn't get that three hundred seventy whatever euro difference, I'm not going to die, you know. Like, but it was the principle of it. I was like, how dare you? Yeah. You how many people have you done this to where they just like roll over and drool, you know? Like, because you you don't want to pay them more. I was like, you have hella money. And I got all mad. So I wrote a seven-page document. I wrote down every single line item of all the co- times I called, who I spoke with, how long I was on the phone with them, how much of that time in my time in Paris, it was eating up, how much I had to spend on internet cafes, everything. And I was like, you're going to pay me every cent back. And, and then I won.
0: <laughs> that is great. What a story.
1: It's a story. But that was like one for, like, for me to step up to the, my own plate. First of multiple, by the way. But like, I've had to learn, defend yourself. Like, just because Ad- they said no. Yourself. Advocate right. for yourself. Yeah. Do not say, mm-hmm. you know, we're only giving you 100 euros. I was like, I can make a good argument of why you owe me way more than 100 euros. And from a time stress, and like it was your bad. Um, and so I learned from that experience really thoroughly that, not every fight is worth fighting, but certain fights, depending on like what it means to you and what you're willing to like put in and who you can get to like help you with it, it can definitely be worth fighting. Um, cause to me, I think it was more so about me being empowered to stick up for myself that lesson that I got out of more than just getting 470 euros paid back to me, which even at the time at like what, 20 years old, that was like a lot of money. That was my travel money. That's you a lot know? Of money. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money that I wanted to like spend yeah. studying abroad, um, So yeah, stuff like that, 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 that's been a seed that was planted early on for me on top of like other tough things I went through as a teenager, just to like, we need to get help, but how come there's these times where we feel so powerless to access that help? And as much as I, I, I know in a lot of this conversation, we painted lawyers in this like very questioning light, but like, to me, lawyers have such incredible power. Look at what's happening all over. Like some of the most powerful people have a law degree, right? And knowing the law and being able to flex the law and using advocacy with a legal background is so powerful. And that's the thing that I've been learning, um, which is why I I chose at this juncture, like if I'm going to set myself up to have any sort of a successful career and hopefully not get disenfranchised, exploited, or screwed over by other people for the art that I create. Like I want to be, I want to have my Avengers on my side. I want to have a good team. And what I was advised was get a good lawyer, having a good attorney on your side, no matter what your situation is, is imperative. And I feel like that can feel so daunting for a lot of people. Like they're like, how do I find one? I can't afford one. Right. And so I'm curious, like what you've learned. Like working with all these clients of yours, because I imagine you've had to help them through a lot of different scenarios, right? Like of like really shitty circumstances or like minor, but like, oh, this could like change your trajectory of your life kind of thing. I'm curious, like what stories do you have?
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think what you're saying is true about like there is like a preconceived notion about what it means to work with a lawyer. We talked about like, oh, I'm, I'm not in trouble. I don't need to talk to a lawyer right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about like how legal fees can be like uh, prohibitively expensive and wildly unpredictable. Um, we talked about all those things. And like, I think for us, because of the way we operate our business and because of our business model, we tend to work with a lot of first-time people who've never worked with a lawyer before. Yeah. Right? Because we kind of present the opposite of all that. Right? We provide our offerings. Everything that we do is kind of like counter to all of that. And that was all intentional, obviously, because that's what we believe in. But I think for a lot of first-time clients, it's just interesting to see them – like if I'm negotiating like – an option deal for my client. Right. Um, and maybe someone wants to like option their screenplay or book or whatever. What I always have to tell people is like, look, they're going to send their offer to you. And th- everything that they send is going to be in their favor. So mm-hmm. our job is to make sure to poke holes in that and get as much as we can for you. Mm-hmm. And then some people will be like, well, what if like we asked for too much and they get like turned away? and like, you can't do that unless you're like being completely unreasonable, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, all these companies, all these, all these big companies that are like negotiating against you, they're expecting you to go back with the counter, right? But if you don't, if you just sign whatever they send to you, they're not going to say, wait, don't you want to negotiate? They're going to say, okay, cool. Wrap. That's a wrap. Let's move right. on to the next thing. Right. right. So it is so important, like, and I stress this all the time with my clients, like, always ask whatever it is you want. If it's reasonable, always ask. If it's money, you want Mm -hmm. more money, ask for more money, right? Mm -hmm. Make it reasonable though. Don't ask for like 10 times what they're offering you, but ask for something that's reasonable. Try to find out what is customary, what is like an industry standard, what your friends are getting, right? Mm -hmm. What your peers are getting. Mm -hmm. Try to kind of like triangulate that a little bit and then you can make like a cogent, like sort of like counter offer, right? Um, And some people are like, oh man, I can't. I can't believe it. I can't believe I asked for this thing and I got it. It's like, yeah, you, you should always ask because the worst thing that could happen is they say no. Right. Um, and that if they say no and they, so bad. what's that?
1: Sorry. I'm saying but for some people that's like so bad. And that's the worst, like hearing no, do you know what I mean? Like that fear,
0: yeah. the fear it's the fear. Like it's, and I feel like the fear is even more overwhelming to people than just, the, the, the act of hearing the no, right. Just the mm-hmm. fear, the anxiety of yeah. the uncertainty of getting a no, right. Yeah. That's scary for people and I get it, but that's sort of like my job. My job is to like make sure that they understand that it may not be the case. And I right. can kind of speak to my experiences. I can speak to the other clients I've worked with who've been successful. I can just kind of be there. But I think what's really important as a, as an attorney is like you actually have to like honor and, and, and accept you have to honor that the, the, your client will have these feelings, these apprehensions, these fears, right? And like, and and also like, uh, acknowledge that they're real feelings. These are real feelings, right? Yeah. And yeah. you you have to kind of hear people out. Um, and 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 I think the worst thing you can do as a lawyer is to tell them like, "I know better than you," so this is what you should do, right? That's like, I mean, lawyer, therapist, whoever, CPA, like anyone who does that probably does not have like great bedside manners. Right. I think one of the, yeah. one of the skills of being a lawyer is having very good bedside manners, allowing your client space to open up, to talk about their vulnerabilities, their fears and things like that. And, you know, part of that is like the education aspect. So then, you know, if someone's like, Hey, I'm scared of, you know, I'm, I'm scared because this is the first opportunity I've ever had like this. So I'm scared if I ask for something, they're going to say no. Right. Right. I think mean, that's completely authentic. Right. Yeah. My my job is then to introduce a little bit of like my perspective, right? And what I've seen and to maybe, and for them to know that I hear them, right? Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that's the key. Because once you have all that, you establish that baseline trust, then they'll be receptive to the things that you talk about. Like, hey, actually, you know what? In my experience, if you ask for more money, you might get it. So yeah. maybe we should try to do that and, and see what happens. So, and that usually works.
1: That's amazing. I love that because I think there's such a shift that's happening right now where I think the work that you're doing and what your mission and what Jonathan and Spencer, like having that mission and is it going to be perfect right out the gate and like achieving it? No, but that's what every entrepreneur has to deal with, right? But like having that intention and then backing it up with strategy and action of like, how can we shift this to be I'd say the relationship in the past would be if you get, I'm saying this from an acting casting standpoint, from a writer standpoint, the narrative is always that the lawyer is like the shark who's trying to get the most hours, the most billable hours out of you who will give the least amount of shits when it comes to your feelings. They care about strictly about outcome. Again, if they settle, how can they move on to the next big case? That's the narrative that I think has been very much, um, Historically documented and shown to the masses, and therefore created this, this really like bad dynamic. I think, and lack of trust, and like somebody actually giving a shit, like actually caring about the outcome of this is their most personal, vulnerable moment. Right, like their scariest thing, either for the biggest deal of their life or like jail time or I don't know, like the custody battle. Like these are really, really like key things in our lives. So I'm just, I'm just manifesting onto the universe. I think what we're doing is like furthering this shift of like not accepting the status quo. I think there's like this intolerance that we have that I am grateful for, even though it feels chaotic and very like, it feels super, super negative. But out of that, I'm glad that we are tired of the bullshit that we're tired of. I think it it needs to be tired of, you know, and in that we can then demand better. And that better can be more suited to what we need, especially because I'm coming as as a woman of color I'm just more and more aware of how much I've not been encouraged in a, at least the first part of my life to speak up for myself. My life has been largely, the first half of it at least, has been really influenced by being complacent and being accommodating and being pleasant and supportive and all the good things, but to an extreme where like, where the hell's my voice? What about when I get taken advantage of? Which happens all the freaking time. Because- yeah. I'm taught to be a giver and there's tons of takers out there, right? How can I then, how do I unlearn that and learn to be somebody who is okay with advocating for myself? And there's so many people like me out there, whether it's like women or people of color or someone who comes from a poor background has never had access to that kind of luxury of having someone defend you properly. You know, I just think that we're shifting and I hope to be part of that shift with you. Like,
0: that's it seems all. like it. That's all. It seems like it. No, I I think that's all well said. I think there is a shift, and I, I forgot where I read. I read this article about like um, Gen Z work culture, and you know mm-hmm. people give Gen Z crap all the time. But <laughs> yes, the TikTok. One thing that Gen Z, yeah yeah especially especially on TikTok. I actually just joined TikTok like um uh, two months ago, and it's it's a wild it's a wild place. Yeah. Um, yeah. What one thing that's interesting about Gen Z though, I think, is they're very good at expressing what their needs are. Right, mm-hmm. and they're very good at also not accepting what the status quo was.
1: Right, mm-hmm. so it's sort of
0: like, hey, can you do this thing? For the Gen B, Gen Z perspective, it's like, well, wh- what do I? How do I benefit from this? And you could look at it as maybe that's being selfish, but also it's like, you know. We have a his. I mean, we talked about capitalism. Capitalism is a history of like exploiting workers, right? So, don't you want your workers to be able to speak on speak on their behalf and to advocate for themselves, right? I think that's mm-hmm. actually a powerful thing. So, mm-hmm. I guess one good thing that, about Gen Z is that they are very good at doing that and and not accepting the, the way that things have been, right? And so, yeah. it, you know, going back, going beyond Gen Z, and just like to the general, like legal consumer the customer the, the client right i think i agree with you like people who work with lawyers shouldn't expect that shouldn't expect their fees to be crazy shouldn't expect their lawyers to to ghost them right and shouldn't expect lawyers to be like assholes who like you said like the 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 sharks who are like kind of kind of come in guns blazing right mm-hmm. they should accept the and they should work with attorneys that align with their values and like um the way they like to work right yeah um and just like, and, and kind of share the same vibe. I mean, I think there's so many great lawyers out there now. And like, there's a lot of uh, lawyers that are entrepreneurs that are starting really cool law firms and doing really innovative things and yeah. with this kind of mission in mind, right? Like just being able to support their communities and people in a way where that truly reflects like a, 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 a an equal dynamic between between the client and the attorney, right? right. I think we're mo- certainly moving in that direction. I mean, like the legal industry has- since like the 2009 recession has like kind of collapsed in, 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 within itself. And I don't think like that billable hours model, I don't think that's sustainable to be honest. Yep. Right. Um, people becoming more educated, people like yourself are becoming more educated about your options and, um, you know, you're not going to tolerate something like that. I think as a, as a, as a, as a customer. Well,
1: thank you. I've tried, I try to frame it in the way that it's humorous to me. It's like, I'm a shopper. Like I'm going to shop around. I'm like, if you're not working for me, I'm going to return you or I'm going to complain to the manager. So I think there's. Come on, it's like my no, dog. I and I, I, I've been, I was like, funnily, complaining to a friend about this earlier. But like, that's how I feel about the government too. Like, the, being a working person, especially as a freelancer and as like a sole, sole proprietor, like the amount of taxes that I get, you know, taken. Like when I'm seeing where my tax dollars are going, this is totally changed the way that I approach politics. Whereas like when I was younger, it was a lot from like really of just about principles and ideals and then now it is about those things but it's also the practical the pragmatic part of it like you're taking my dollars to do what my hard earned dollars yeah. that like i hustle my butt off for and i deal with all these this the industry politics and all the non you know I have to chase down clients who don't pay me and like whatever. I dealt with all that to get paid this so that you could do what? Like it's such a different way that I'm like existing as an adult versus when I was a lot younger and like everything kind of just flew over my head. And I I'm okay with that. Like it is stressful, but I, so be it. Like to me, I'm kind of like the way my parents mm-hmm. raised me is like, well, it's part of its life. You gotta step up to the plate, take your responsibility. And I feel that as as the adults of this world, which is frightening sometimes, that we're the grownups of this world. <laughs> that like, yeah.
0: oh, I've been we, a grown up for a while, Minji. Yeah, welcome, welcome to the club.
1: Thank you. I I feel like I was a grown up since I was like five in certain ways, and then also like yeah. just now, um, certain ways, really late to the game, but. You've been doing a great job, but I think like we got to do the best that we can to find the solutions to these problems because, you know, I don't want to be fixated on problems so much, but balance it out by focusing on solutions. I want to focus more on solutions, be aware of the problems and focus on solutions. And I'm glad that you've done that with Jonathan, with your firm and that you're helping creatives like me. Honestly, I'm very grateful for that because it is it is truly empowering to feel like i have a resource that i can rely on that will not kill me financially cuz that is still really important as like a fledgling entrepreneur that i am which is so weird like i still have yep. weird feelings calling myself that um <laughs> but yeah it's it's all it's all, i'm just grateful so thank you
0: yeah. We, we, we appreciate you and all of our clients so much. I mean, like I said, it's the, the, seeing, seeing what you, you all are capable of when you have like, like this, like uh, the, the bandwidth to kind of like uh, express yourselves creatively is like truly really awesome. I mean, art is, art is, art is the best, you know, and like being able to appreciate art like uh, on the outside looking in Um is, is, is so gratifying. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. Um, yeah. We love working with you.
1: My pleasure. Like my thing is like, I get on a microphone and I talk <laughs> like, like, what am I doing? But thank you. I appreciate that. We have, I have my three questions that I close out every episode with. Um, are you ready to cry?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is where it happens. Huh?
1: It can, no, I'm not gonna make you cry. You actually have, kind of already uh, I, just answered the first one.
0: Okay. I have tissues ready just in case. Okay.
1: okay, Good, 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 good. See, prepared, prepared. Yes. Uh, what are you grateful for today or right now? We should already answer. you can add uh, on to that.
0: That is, uh, I'm grateful. You know, I'm looking, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm surrounded by photos of my son and, mm. uh, we just had like this awesome staycation weekend, um, in Santa, in Santa Monica. Um, and, yeah, I'm just grateful for him, like for the joy that he brings in my life, for all the moments where he makes me laugh, and he's starting to do that a lot now. He's six; he's going to be seven next month. Oh, and just, just like the kind of beautiful, sweet, and funny kid that he's becoming, I'm 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 so grateful for him, and grateful for that uh, to have him in my life.
1: Love it. We love him too. I'm sending him love. Um, yeah, his
0: name's Kenzo. Shout out Kenzo.
1: Very awesome. That's a great name. That's a dope name. Not, not bad, cool. huh? No. Well done. Well done. Uh, what are you looking forward to?
0: Um, good question. I am looking forward to, I'm looking forward to, uh, not having, having a weekend of not too many plans where I can work. I can be, I can prioritize me time and not so much like social obligations um, and I think this weekend might be the weekend for a little bit of that. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that because I, I have a crazy schedule and, um, I'm always, I feel like I'm always being pulled in like their various social obligations. And I think like, I just need to start being able to prioritize more time just for myself. Right. Yes. And yes. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a little bit of that this weekend and I'm looking forward to that.
1: Good for you. I love it. Would you share, like, what do you, what is, do you have any tips? Like, what is your favorite thing for me time? Is it like exercise? Is it the meditating?
0: Yeah. Reading? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, those are all great things. I, I enjoy all of them. I think like when I, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of renovations on my house. So and this is super boring. And this is, if, if, <laughs> if anyone is going to be like tuning out, this is going to be right now. So apologies <laughs> to the audience, but I've been doing a lot of home renovations and working on my house is definitely one thing. And I think I'm very much into music. Um, I'm trying to build out my studio again so I can start DJing and making music. I so, love it. Can
1: you share a yeah. mix? Would you?
0: Yeah. I, I I took down most of my mixes from from the internet, but I think I have one one or two floating around I can share with uh, you. Yeah, for sure.
1: We'll, can we share it with anyone tuning in now?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
1: I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Yeah, you DJ. Okay. I'm so freaked. That's so cool. Yeah. All I need right. to get
0: back into that. You know, like I think like art is the, the art creating art, expressing yourself through art is one of the best ways to like get through t- uh, tough times. Right. So 100%. And you know, these are, these are, these are very challenging times. So yeah.
1: Yep. So go make some beats or talk to a microphone like I do. And yeah, I love it. I'm exactly. a huge advocate. Uh, lastly, what are the last words that you want to leave with our listeners today?
0: Um, there's been this, uh, this, this is going to sound super woo woo. So apologies again to the audience. They're on this podcast. They're
1: already used to it.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about astrology. No, just kidding. Um, one thing, (laughs) um, one thing that this quote that I've been kind of fixated on lately. Um, and I think people, people say that it's actually a biblical quote, but it actually predates the Bible. I think it's from like a Persian, uh, or Babylonian um origin but the quote is uh this soon shall pass right Mm -hmm. and as with anything as with any sort of like a thing that you're enduring any pain any struggles whatever you know it's not i don't think the quote is meant to minimize how you're feeling in the moment it's just meant to give you perspective that you know it'll it'll pass you know things will Mm -hmm. change in a year from now you'll look back maybe you'll see it differently so that's what i've been thinking about
1: lovely Thank you for sharing them with us, especially during these times. Thank you for the work that you do. Thanks for being a great friend. And yeah, you're Chuck. If you want to also expand your creative creativity into like a podcast, I think you should. And I don't use the word (laughs) "should" that often. I'm just saying you're natural. Let's
0: let's workshop that. Okay, we can workshop that.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you again for being a guest. Uh, And yeah, I hope you have a great restful weekend hi to Kenzo and I'll talk to you soon
0: okay appreciate you thank you so much
1: bye thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode with Chungboy from Council for Creators talking about protecting yourself and navigating the legal system please go check out their work if this at all impl- applies to you or if it's something you're curious about go check out their website it's councilforcreators.com and And you can check them out on Instagram and follow them along there, Council for Creators. And uh, yeah, we have all the links to everything to follow along to Chung, too, in the description. So go check that out. Thank you, Chung, for being such a wonderful guest. And thank you, of course, to my audio engineer producer, Marvin Yue, my producer, Anna Sun, and my new producer, Priska Lian Kim. I love you both. And to my social media manager, Juliana Deer. And if you'd like to support, first of all, you can go to firstofallpod.com and get links to everything, including my Patreon. Um, And thank you to my Patreon patrons. I am so sorry we haven't chatted in so long. I miss you. Production life has been driving me nuts, but we will reunite soon. I thank you guys so much. And if you'd like to become a Patreon supporter, go to Um, firstofallpod.com firstofallpod.com again to support. And you can find First of All Pod on all the podcast platforms. So please share it with a friend if it was helpful to you. Love that everyone is tuning in. I need to give a shout out real quick to a follower that messaged me, Dan from Australia. Dan uh, messaged me to tell me about things that he was learning through, first of all, about relationships and boundaries and how he's applied them into his life. And um, Dan I hope you don't mind me putting you on blast, but that message meant so much to me. Thank you for reaching out and letting me know how the podcast or just what the guest and I, we talked about helped you. It honestly, it means the world and I'm just so happy and proud of you that you're doing things for yourself in a way that feels healthy and safe and it's wonderful. So thank you, Dan, for the shout out, for the message. Uh, feel free to hit me up, guys, at firstofallpod at gmail.com. You can follow along at firstofallpod on Instagram. My in- uh, personal page is at Minjeezy. And this week's intro, of course, was provided by Uzuhan Uzutrap, Uzu Trap. And our outro this week, new independent artist discovered by Anna and myself, because we both fell in love with her on TikTok. But uh, we have Issa, and she is an incredible up-and-coming artist. Her music is all vibes. Like such good mellow chill. Oh, it's immaculate. Hope you guys enjoy it. This is her song Goodla and I hope you guys go check out her stuff. All her links will be in the description so you can follow her. And that's it for me this week. Wish me luck on the short film. Keep an eye out there will be really cool announcements and all that stuff coming about my short film because I'm I feel really good about it. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great year and great times. I wow, still know it. Thank you all so much. I love you. I'll talk to you
0: Long soon. Bye. Now I'm on my way to kiss my love. Good luck now, honey. Try to run your mouth, they won't catch me in the mouth. They could get luck now, honey. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Ramin. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah, and second question, where's my jetpack?
1: Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Ramin and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears.
0: Yeah, Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs. Writers.
1: Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between.
0: Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out modern minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
1: Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority.